0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God, and we're about to jump into our Bible study from Acts chapter 6. So get your Bibles open and ready to go, unless, of course, you are on the road, in which case, don't do that. Get your passenger to do that. Uh, But join 20 million other people today who are going to study Acts chapter 6.
1: I think we should call it the 20 million movement.
0: Yeah, why not? The the 20 million people movement. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: 20 million Bible study movement. Just Bible 20 readers. million movement. Okay, 20, the 20 million movement. Just 2MM. Call 2MM. Okay, join the 2MM. There you go. We have created a new <laughs> word of the day, the 2MM. You. And uh, Mon, before we get into our actual Bible study, yes. what have you got to share with us from clue? the quiz of the day? Uh, okay, the this is a quiz. who
1: am I. I don't, this is not particularly an easy one, I think. Um, but our third clue is Philip found me and brought me to Jesus. That yeah,
0: kind of goes along with the first clue.
1: Yeah, indeed. So Philip was uh was you know, went and did a bit of missionary right there. Went and found this person.
0: That was kinda of what Philip did all the way through the New Testament. Yep. He's always them to finding Jesus. people and bring them to Jesus. So Amen. if you know the answer, give us a call. one eight hundred three two four eight four three. 324 843 Not only will you get bragging rights, you will also get a prize. Um, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. In fact, we only give out prizes um, as a, as, a, as a maximum of once a month, but we often have people are calling in on a regular basis and answering the quiz just because they like to answer the quiz. Just so, want to take, test their Bible skills. Give us a, yeah, give us a mm-hmm. call if you know the answer and if you can get it right. No cheating, by the way.
1: What would be cheating? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you are allowed to research your bible. We encourage you turning to your bible to see if you can figure it out.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, abs- yeah that's a good
1: calling point. a church pastor might be cheating.
0: All right, all right. Well, let's make that a rule. No calling a church pastor.
1: <laughs>
0: we did a quiz down at um, Digital Digital Discipleship and it was a bit of a tough quiz. And it was a pastor who answered it.
1: Yes, it was actually kind of funny because I think there were quite a few pastors present and a lot of people sent in the answer, but it was the wrong answer. I know, we had heaps and heaps of answers come in and they all
0: got the wrong one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's heaps of fun. Okay, so, um, Mon.
1: Yes, we're talking about a group of superheroes today, aren't we?
0: Chapter 6. The Magnificent Seven is That's our it. subject for today.
1: He would never would have thought the Magnificent Seven were in the Bible.
0: The Magnificent Seven are in the Bible, and we are going to read about them right now. Let me just flick over here very quickly. Just, give me a second. I want to look this up in, in my Bible and see what it says here. Ah, Where's Acts gone? Here we come. Here we go. Chapter 6. Um, okay, why don't you read, for it, read it for us in your translation? Acts
1: chapter 6 and verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food.
0: Hmm. Here's a fun fact. Hmm. If you look this up in the original language, it doesn't say the Greek speakers.
1: Oh, what does it say?
0: They were Hellenistic.
1: Oh, Hellenistic.
0: Hellenistic. Okay, so we need to uh, we need to understand a couple of things as we start off here. And first of all, why do we call Greek people Hellenistic?
1: Uh, is it because of Helen? Of Troy.
2: <laughs> 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 this is history lesson in the morning.
0: Greek people are called group called, called Hellenistic because of Hel- Helen of Troy. Helen of Troy. She, she was, she was Greek, right? She wasn't <laughs> Turkish. She was Greek.
1: Yeah, maybe we've got a Helen in our church. Has she got something to do with it? But she's from Bermuda. So I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Why do they call them? Helen, it's spelled wrong though. It's double L.
0: Okay, they are they are actually Helen's. That's that's what Greek people are.
1: They're not from hell, are they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not because they are from hell. But the Greeks call or called their country Hellas. It's the land of oh, Hellas. Oh,
1: okay. This would be an interest, Like, so we should also figure out why um, they call their like the countries are called the Scandinavian countries or the Nordic countries. Like, you know, it's like why they have these sudden you know one words to describe a whole group of. A cluster yep. of
0: countries, and they speak the the Hellenistic language. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they are, um, and if you and if you are Greek by culture, as these Jews were, because these were Jewish people mm-hmm. who were Greek by culture, mm-hmm. they were Hellenistic Jews. Okay, uh, so what we would say Western Western Jews today, maybe, or Western Christians,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, as opposed to Eastern. So these were these were Hellenistic Jews. And that's what the Bible actually says here. And the reason that they are called Hellenistic is because the Greeks called their country Hellas. That makes a lot of sense. And when the Romans first came across Greeks, of course, the Greeks um, colonized um, most of the Italian peninsula. And when the Romans first came in contact with them, they were living in a place called Magna Grecia. Do they still
1: call and it so they Helios? called them Greeks. Oh, Okay. Okay.
0: And the name stuck And then of course the Roman Empire became the most powerful empire mm-hmm. um, It adopted the Greek culture mm-hmm. And so in the, during the Roman Empire you know The gods that were served you know, uh, were largely Greek gods The Romans didn't really have their own gods Maybe Janus, but that was about it as far mm-hmm. as Roman gods go um, Greek became the English of the ancient world
1: So it, what do Greeks call their country in their own language now?
0: Well, I think that when you know when I was in Greece, you know they always just took call it Greece, um, but even in
1: Greek, because you know, th- Cause you yeah, know how well, like Germans I, I, don't call Germany. All right, we need a phone
0: call from a Greek person this morning yeah. to solve this problem for us and uh, tell us all about how you refer to yourselves yeah. in the in the in like the country Germans
1: say Deutschland and Japanese say Nippon and um,
0: and we say Germany,
1: yeah, and Japan, yeah, yeah. But in the like, yeah, how do you say? Greece in Greek
0: Because our tour leaders They're speaking to us in English I guess So they just call it yeah, Greece Yeah
1: exactly Yeah.
0: When I was a kid I thought Greece was where Greece came from <laughs>
1: That's really cute. I don't think Lyle. they actually have any oil wells in Greece. <laughs> That's adorable. No, but I seriously did.
0: And I always had this. I always had this mental image of a country that just had. You know, there was just grease everywhere. You know, there was really this grease on the country. yeah grease on the ground. And of course, you know, because because my dad worked in sort of mechanical kind of things. Uh-huh. You know, it, the kind of grease that I was thinking. You're not vegetable grease or anything like that. No, no, no. This was axle grease. I had an image in my mind of roads covered in axle grease. That would actually be. Kind of fun to drive on.
1: It probably wouldn't be Greek anymore, it'd be American by now. <laughs> yes, if there was <laughs> if that oil was that there, much Greece lying around. <laughs> and
0: there would have been a lot more warfare there than yeah, what there has been. Yeah. Okay, so this is so this is the situation that you have. Mm-hmm. Greek culture has become the ancient version of Western culture. Mm-hmm. And so, where you've got Western culture today, you've got Eastern culture. So, you know, you've got, you know, very, very large culture in places like China and that kind of thing that we would refer to as Eastern culture. Well, that culture existed back then because it's been the longest, you know, existing culture that there has ever been. You know, the Chinese culture has been, what, 4,000 years there or more. And um, of course, we have, you know, Western culture in contrast to that. Of course, you've got Eastern European culture, which is uh, different again. But the predominant culture in the world today is Western culture and the predominant language of Western culture, which has been particularly driven by the um, information uh, age mm-hmm. and uh, the IT age, is English. And that's why you can pretty much travel anywhere in the world and if you speak English, you can get by.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's true. Um,
0: whereas back then, Greece was or Greek was the dominant Dominant culture, and if you could speak Greek, you could get by. And this is why the New Testament was written in Greek, not in Aramaic, which was the language spoken by Jewish people. Okay, you know, it's, it's a, bit like, a little bit like today. If you started a a, a new religion in Israel, um, what language would you use to start a new religion? Obviously, you would use English because that's going to be, you know the most widespread language that there is available to everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so your whole New Testament, by the book of Matthew, which, of course, was written in Aramaic, it is believed, um, was written in Greek. And the only copies we have, of course, of Matthew are Greek copies. Yeah, so there's your little history lesson for today, a little bit of trivia to get this particular subject started off.
1: And nothing to do with Helen of Troy.
0: (laughs) Nothing to do with (laughs) Helen of Troy. Maybe she was <coughs> called Helen because she came from Hellas.
1: Maybe. She was the only Helen I could think of in history. I was like racking my brain for any Helens. That was the only one that popped up.
0: Hmm. Hmm. We'll have to find some answers to this. So if you're a Greek person, uh, give us a call. Give us a, uh add to our history lesson for us um, and um, help us out a little bit. We would We would love to hear from you.
1: Now, in this first verse, it says the Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against. <clears throat> Does that mean that th- when they say their widows, is it the Greeks' widows or the Hebrews' widows? Because it doesn't, like, it's a little bit unclear. It could be either which way, right?
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, it, it, um,. <clears throat> Yeah, which ones were being discriminated against?
1: Yeah, and then also is that a a, a byproduct of the different cultures? Does one of them, you know, not hold widows in high regard as the other? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: So you've got this uh, very early piece here that um actually reveals a bit of a victim mentality coming through, doesn't it? Mhm. And a little bit of jealousy and a little bit of uh um, uh racial tension.
1: Well, I mean, if that's cultural, what's happening. Cultural
0: tension that is yeah. happening. Yeah. I mean, it's not even so much it's not even racial. This is cultural tension that mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh so you've got these the you know, you've got as you've got lots of Jewish people today that only speak English. You've got lots of um uh, Greek people back, sorry, Jewish people back then that only spoke Greek. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: So which group is being discriminated against? Well, we don't actually know which group was being discriminated against or even if there was any discrimination.
2: hmm
0: Often discrimination is something that doesn't exist. It is only perceived and it doesn't become an issue until somebody actually highlights it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, oh, there's this massive issue. Mm-hmm. Um, And, of course, that then just creates division where there did not need to be division. But somewhere along the line, somebody has piped up here, haven't they?
1: They have indeed.
0: And it has created division in the early church. And this kind of gives me a little bit, this gives me encouragement. Mm -hmm. You know why? Why? Why do you think it might encourage me that they had a cultural issue happening uh, back then?
1: Because there's lots of cultural issues happening right now.
0: Yes. And sometimes I read about the early church and think, these guys were so perfect.
1: <laughs> Why is
0: it that we can't be perfect like they were perfect?
1: <laughs> and then we find, oh, hang on a minute.
0: <laughs> Oops. Um, and uh, and, and it, it reveals, yes, that the church is run by human beings. Mm-hmm. And so uh, whenever you find the church that is run by human beings, you find that uh, there's going to be, you know, mistakes being made. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just the, the the simple reality of it. Okay, so where are we up to in our passage here? Let's um, keep reading.
1: It's actually a bit of a sad verse coming up next. Maybe a little bit sad in verse 2, what it says. Do I want to read it? It says, So the Twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God and not running a food program. <laughs> I really kind of like a food program. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so it does reveal something though because sometimes, you, you know, for instance, in our conference right here, North New South Wales, mm-hmm. um, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we have some pastors who love to run food programs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we have other pastors who love to run evangelistic campaigns. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have a situation where the ones who love to run uh, food programs are like. Why are you running evangelistic campaigns? This is a much greater, better method of soul winning and evangelism here. Mm-hmm. And then you have those who run evangelistic campaigns who are like, Why are you running food programs? You know, there's a much better system of soul winning in running uh, evangelistic campaigns. Yeah, yeah. And what is it that is actually being revealed to us here?
1: Different people, different talents. That's right. And that's that's what the next verse talks about as well. Talks about, you know, the different talents. Do you want me to read it? Sure. Thank you. Verse 3. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and who are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So they've divvied up the jobs according to those who, you know, who are talented in that, in that department and, um, and sort of, I guess, streamlined the process and, and taken the derision out of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely and uh and, and what it reveals to me, and particularly as we go down through this story, is that just because they became uh, deacons mm-hmm. and they started to focus on food and the ministry of food, they didn't stop the ministry of the word.
1: Mm.
0: you know, and vice versa, I'm sure that the disciples didn't stop the ministry of you know the disciples who were preaching the word didn't stop the ministry of food either. Mm. It was just different focuses according to different talents. We find that some of these uh, deacons were, uh, you know, became some of the great you know, uh, preachers, like we have a great sermon here by Stephen that is you know, coming up in the next chapter. But it also tells me something about the role of deacons.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's what these, these seven appointed were. They were deacons.
0: They were deacons. These were the first seven deacons. And in the Bible you have uh, two types of church administrators. Only two.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You have deacons and you have elders and that's it. Okay. Um, there are a number of different words that are used to describe elders. Elders are also described as bis- bishops and pastors. hmm You don't have uh, priests or cardinals or um, um, fathers or, you know, any of these kinds of different levels that we have created here within Christianity today. Mm-hmm. You just have deacons and elders. nothing else. Mm-hmm. And my question is: Have we been able to create the uh, a, a biblical model of church structure that mirrors the New Testament model? Mm. Mm. And I hear some mm-hmm. hesitation in your voice yep. right there, Mark. <laughs> because I'm just sort of thinking and looking at the Adventist Church as an example. And we could, you know, I think all churches need to take a a a close look at themselves on occasions. Yes. And so in the Adventist Church you have pastors. Mm-hmm. And under the pastors you have elders. Yep. And under the elders you have deacons. deacons. hmm. Okay. And that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it is when you read the policy. But that's how it is in practice. Okay. The implication is that elders are more... Um, qualified than deacons, and that being a deacon is kind of a training ground to become an elder, mm-hmm. and that their ordination is worth more, and then that a pastor's ordination is worth more than the other two.
1: Isn't it just different roles as opposed to some sort of hierarchy?
0: Absolutely. There is no hierarchy that is given in the Bible, and the ordination of a deacon in the Bible holds exactly the same weight as the ordination of an elder. Wow, okay. so if we look at the if we look at the deacons here as an example mm-hmm. uh, one of the most famous baptism stories in the Bible is the baptism story of Philip mm-hmm. and the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah, of course, yeah. and Philip is one of these seven deacons right here mm-hmm. um, and so you find and if you look at then at the qualifications to become a deacon that Paul outlines. To Timothy, you know, these are the qualifications that a deacon must have. Mm -hmm. They're exactly the same qualifications that are required of an elder.
1: There's no difference.
0: There is no hierarchy here. You don't become a deacon to practice... Getting ready to become an elder—it's mm-hmm. just a difference of roles. That's the first issue that I have. The second issue I have is this, and and of course I'm comparing this with the Adventist Church. But all of us who are part of churches need to, you know, take a cold hard look at our church and say, do we have a biblical structure here? Mm. The second thing that you're going to find here is that not is there no, not 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 only is there is there no hierarchy that is presented, the ordination of each is equal. So the ordination of a deacon. Is equal to my ordination of a pastor in the Bible. Wow! Yeah, you know, I'm going to get all kinds of um,
1: yeah <laughs> people <laughs> stirred up. Faith f- FM yeah, call us right. up. <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> the division president is going to be on the phone here, yeah. and <laughs> giving me a hard time, but that's okay. <laughs> um, got the Bible on my side with this one. Um, okay, so that's that's the uh, that's the, that's the first thing that that's sort of really comes out here. The second thing is this. The role of the elder and the role of the deacon. They are two different roles. Mm -hmm. That's why there's two different words, Mm -hmm. obviously. The role of an elder is to take care of the spiritual um, needs of the church community. Okay. The role of the deacon is to take care of the physical needs of the church community. I
1: didn't know this. This is incredible. So what what happens when you have like a a junior deacon or a junior deaconess?
0: Ah, They're just sort of. You know, young people that are practicing. Okay, gotcha. We're like, we really like these young people and we'd really like them to see them hold a high church office. Um, But the Bible does say um, to lay hands suddenly on no man. Um, And so, um, you know, we've got to be a little bit careful about um, you know rushing into ordination because it is a very, very serious thing. We shouldn't just randomly ordain whoever um, feels that they're called to a particular position in the church. And um, <coughs> I got sidetracked. But we're still know. talking
1: about the seven deacons. Are these seven deacons or seven elders? These are seven deacons. Seven okay. Deacons. The role
0: between the two. So your deacons were the they were the social workers of the church. Mm-hmm. They were to take after the social needs of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and today, if you were to take somebody who was a pastor and say, "Hey, we want you to be a deacon in this church over here," they'd be like, you know, be like, a, they would feel demoted. Yeah, yeah. Where in reality, they are not demoted. They just moved to a different role and, and a different uh, a different ministry that is recognized for them
1: so taking care of the physical boy like you know preparing potluck and op shops that kind of thing
0: no not that at Ooh, all
1: we'll find out next oh, the words are for our in this world
0: To Keith Lancaster, the Acapella Company here on Faith I've, FM.
1: That was a really good song. I really enjoyed that one.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed it. I have been mm. enjoying the music just, just. Yeah.
1: I wish okay. there was some more Ladysmith, Black Mum, Bunzo, Wink, Wink, Nudge, Nudge, Dear Producers. <laughs> I am really happy that they started playing that band. That is one of my all-time favorites. But let me give you a new clue for our Who Am I quiz.
0: Okay, here it comes. How come nobody's got this one yet?
1: Because it's a hard one. It's not a hard one. This it's one, one not the a predominant. There's
0: only 12 disciples.
1: But this is not like one of the more popular ones. It's not like it's, well, let's not mention any names, but it's not, you know, one of the big famous ones. Okay. Right. It's the ones that you'd probably forget in a lineup. The next clue. I said this very famous phrase, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Who said that phrase? If you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. If you can get that name right, we will, of course, send you the prize. You can even text us, 0491-064-669. That's 0491. Zero six four six six nine. You can text the answer through to there, and if you get it right, we'll of course send you prizes.
0: Mm. There's not even a lot of information about this particular person historically.
1: Exactly. So um, it's, you know, they're a Bible character. I mean, not necessarily in yeah. character, but definitely in, you know, what we have going on for a record for them.
0: All right, so back to the whole co- concept of. Deacons who deacons. are not
1: preparing the potluck lunch, they're not running the op shops. So, how is it they're taking care of the Okay, the
0: op shop site kind of counts. Okay. But I don't know what it's like in uh, a lot of other churches out there, and maybe you can give us a call and tell us what it's like in your church. But um, in my church, deacons, it seems that we often ordain them to mow the church lawns and take up the offering on Sabbath. Sabbath I was wondering. Morning. And I'm like, do we need to, do you need to have the laying on of hands and the infilling of the Holy Spirit to take up offering and mow the church lawn?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question.
0: You know, seriously, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And deacons are called to minister to the community, They're called to take care of the needs of the community. And so, yeah, an op shop, I think that's a, a more you know valid um, role for somebody who is a deacon or deaconess mm-hmm. because. Um, you're yeah. actually out there in the community, mingling with people, finding out what yeah. their needs, drawing close to them, and uh, ministering—being you know ministering to their needs.
1: Yeah, every day you'd be talking to members of the public, you know, people of the community.
0: Yeah, and of course, out at um, Maitland Adventist Church, we have food rescue, which happens every Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, every Thursday, from about uh, one o'clock onwards, you can go to the Gilliston Heights Community Centre and get a massive box of food. And so we help out, you know, for free, seventy or eighty families every week mm-hmm. um, for five dollars. Okay, well, that's super pocket, cheap pocket change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and is that run by deacons then?
0: That's our aim, and okay. that, but that's that's what the true role of a deacon is. Okay, and that role is equal in the Bible to the role of an evangelist. Okay, is that the evangelists be, tend to become the celebrities? Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at um, you know development and relief. That takes place around the world, and you know, orphanages that are run in many different places in the world, and you know, these kind of things that is the role of a deacon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is just as that is equal to the role of a church pastor, that is equal to the role of an evangelist, that's equal to the role of the greatest preachers that we have. But we make celebrities out of our preachers. And very very rarely do we make celebrities out of our deacons. So you know the role of Mother Teresa, for instance, she would be probably the most famous person who actually functioned in that kind of a um, in that kind of a role and actually became a celebrity for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's easy to look at you know your, your, your TV evangelists and all this kind of thing and see them as being in a higher role than somebody who's helping the poor. Mm-hmm. But this is not the case.
1: So you have these seven deacons who have just been appointed. So, like, what were their what were their sort of um, distinguishing commission? Like, you know, what was the what was a checklist for them? Okay, so
0: if we finished, where, where did we last read up to? Uh,
1: we read uh, verse three. Yeah, okay. verse
0: three. Read read us the next three verses. <clears throat>
1: Then we apostles can spend our time. and Sorry, we already spent that one. So Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Tarminas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them.
0: I'm so glad you got to read that verse, Mon. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm gonna. I am Mon to read this one right here. You love it when she I has, have to read she the crazy name. No idea what she's getting herself in for. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'll read those verses. Like here it comes. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's not too bad. There's worse Wasn't verses than that. Bad, in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And of course, you know the the information about these particular individuals is a little bit scarce. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip becomes, you know, probably Philip and Stephen are the two most famous ones for sure. Uh, because of their roles in evangelism, and what it does show is this is that just because you are ordained to a particular position does not mean that you 're necessarily going to stay in that position your whole life. you mm-hmm. might you know the, the, these these guys were evangelists and they went from being evangelists to being uh, deacons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then at other times they went from being deacons to being evangelists mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But um, now you asked a question before we actually read that verse.
1: Like, so what is what is actually the uh, the criteria for being a deacon then?
0: Okay, so the criteria for being a deacon you will find is exactly the same as the criteria for being an elder. What is that criteria?
1: Um, they have to be like um, tall and brave and.
0: It is. Uh. Um, okay, deacons must be. Okay, so I've got the old English. This okay. sounds really cool. Go ahead. They must be grave.
1: Grave.
0: Grave. Grave, okay. <laughs> that means that means that they've got to be able to take life seriously. Okay,
1: okay, yeah.
0: Um, not double-tongued. Okay. <laughs> this old English is so awesome. Not, so
1: not telling porcupines, not lying. That's right. So honest. be honest.
0: Not given to wine. Okay, yeah. Not alcohol. Not greedy of, here it comes again. Filthy lucre. Oh. Have you any idea what filthy lucre is?
1: Is that like ill-gotten gains? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes.
0: Money. Mm-hmm. Not given, given to, you know, uh, uh, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and let them be first proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless.
1: So, I guess you could almost wrap that up into two words. that' to be honest and sober.
0: Yeah, it goes on and, and, and here's <coughs> his, his what's more. If you're going to be a deacon, there are qualifications for your spouse. Oh, really? Yeah. You can't ordain. So even so must their spouses Mm. be grave, Mm -hmm. being able to take life seriously, not slanderers,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: sober, Mm -hmm. faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife ruling their children in their house as well. That's probably not quite so relevant here in Australia where uh, we don't have polygamy, but yep. in some countries that's a, a very important verse. For those that have used the office of a deacon uh, of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So there's your qualifications for being a deacon. And what you find is, you know, the Bible says they have received great boldness in the faith. Mm-hmm. Look at Stephen. Was Stephen bold? Very much so. Look at Philip. Was he bold when he hears a chariot walking past, and there's an v- incredibly high official um, from the court of Candace, Queen of Ethiopia, r- trundling past? Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a uh, you know just a, a poor apostle walking through the desert, not even knowing why he's there. Mm-hmm. And he goes running up to this great politician.
1: That's right. That's definitely bold. Jumps
0: up in the chariot and is like, "Yeah, I'll teach you what this is all about." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when the Holy Spirit comes on somebody. Um, And particularly through ordination, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in many ways to give boldness to present the gospel both in word and in deed.
1: Indeed. If you would like to know more about the Bible, give us a call now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Coming up next is our question of the day. splash said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au.
2: Jesus cares for me. It seems
0: You're listening to Bart Miller. Jesus cares for me here on Faith FM, and we have our question. Our no, our our quiz for the day has been answered.
1: Yes, I'm very excited about this. The question, of course, was. I mean, the quiz was, "Who am I?" And the answer was Nathaniel, otherwise known as Bartholomew. Of course mm,
0: Gary Seal from Searle from uh, Glenleg in South Australia Has come through With the correct answer Congratulations Gary Well done
1: Yeah good on you Gary We're going to send you A Soyam Eastern album Which you're really going to enjoy It's the Journey of the Spirit album One of her uh, better ones And uh, we're going to send it to you In the mail
0: Absolutely What's our question of the day then Okay
1: Our question of the day Is a bit of a loaded question Lyle mm. I'm going to see if you can get yourself In trouble with this one Okay The question that's come in is this. Can a man obtain perfection? Yes. Oh, is that that simple? Is it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: No. Uh, No, it's not. Yes. (laughs) Do you know any perfect people at all? Yes. No. You do? You don't.
0: Yes. No. Okay, this okay, so is, this is if you I mean. answer yes to this question, you are correct. If you answer no to this question, you are correct. Let's begin by uh, looking at a couple of passages of Bi- of the Bible. Let's go to, and of course, the Bible says, "Be you perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect." And so this is what we, you know, this is the whole purpose of a Christian is to live a Christian life, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Some, some Christians look at Christianity like, oh, you speak anything about perfection or, you know, even, even trying to attain perfection or anything like that, then uh, it's just a religion of works. No, as Christians, we should live the most Christian life we possibly should and we should strive to do so, to be Amen. as much like Jesus as possible. Mm-hmm. There is nothing works related in simply trying to be, be like, like Jesus, Jesus and aspiring to be like him. I mean, what are you going to do, the opposite?
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Oh, I'm going to try not to be like Jesus so that grace may abound. No, Paul says, don't do that. Uh, that's a really, really bad idea. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, If we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, I hope that that is very, very clear right there. Yes. The simple reality is, is that you have sin, I have sin, shall our producer has sin, we all have sin. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, there is no human being who is ever going to be perfect. Because we have already blown it long, long, long ago. We are all born with a sinful nature. We all sin. We've all blown it. All the Bible says.
1: So, should we just give up trying All,
0: Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, the whole issue of trying comes down to motivation. Okay, If you are trying to live a sinless life so that you can get to heaven, that is salvation by works. Mm-hmm. But what we have to do is separate the issue of salvation mm-hmm. and Christian life. Okay. okay, Two different things. Okay, You cannot earn salvation. It is a gift. You cannot earn a gift.
1: Mm-hmm. True.
0: Okay. Um, so you can never earn salvation. And the moment that you try and be good to be saved is salvation by works. Okay. However, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: your Christian life is different from salvation. Your Christian life is Jesus died for me. I love him. I want to be like him. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. The alternative is Jesus died. I love him. So I don't want to be like him. That doesn't make any sense at all. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so the Bible says in Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Because it gives a really good balance to it right here. Ephesians chapter 2, Galatians, Ephesians 2. Famous verse, verse 8 For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Mm. Okay? So that's clear. That deals with salvation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then it goes on to talk about Christian life. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto. Good works. Mm-hmm. The whole purpose for our creation was for good works. Now, here's the thing. Our Christian life and our salvation are linked here because some people try to say that they are not linked, mm-hmm. and that's ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Here's where the link is. If we have received salvation, we will live a Christian life. Okay. So while they are two separate things, you can't separate them. Mm-hmm. Because the moment, okay, so here's the theological terms, the moment that justification takes place, sanctification begins. They are both a part of salvation from that perspective. Justification is forgiveness of your sins. Sanctification is the life that you live having been forgiven of your sins. And if you refuse to live that life, then justification was worthless in the first place. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's really quite simple. Uh, If you've got more questions, don't forget to give us a call. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. This is Chris Christopherson with Lord Help Me, Jesus.
3: For the kindness you've shown, Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it, so help me, Jesus. I know. souls in your hands Try me Lord If you think there's a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you Maybe Lord I can show someone else But I've been through myself On my way back to you Lord, help me, Jesus I've wasted it So help me, Jesus I know what I am
0: Chris Christofferson with Lord Help Me Jesus here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show. And at the end of our show, we always love to give something away. And our gift of the day today is a book by Clifford Goldstein, Life Without Limits. We've given this one away before. This is a beautiful hardcover edition. Yes. Really, really nice. Written by one of the most intelligent people in the world right now.
1: Yeah, people love uh, this book and they love the um, the anything that Clifford Goldstein produces, the writer. Um, so this is Life Without Limits, Powerful Truths for Your Journey to Hope and Meaning. And uh, the back says, how would you live differently if you knew that there was more to life than what you were seeing, that something wonderful was waiting for you on the road of life, and that you were not on this journey by chance, but for a special purpose?
0: Mm, so one of, one of Christian's greatest writers right now... Um, currently, um, Clifford Goldstein, and uh, of course a um, yeah a prolific author. Yes, uh, yes. When I was when I was last talking to him, he's like, "Well, it's the only thing I really know how to do." Um, I think there's probably a few things he doesn't know how to do, but it's certainly one thing he knows how to do very very well. And, uh, and 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 quite a si- quite a significant power uh, amongst Christian apologists.
1: Mm, yes, he's a very much a forward thinker. And uh, this book is a beautiful book. It's a hardcover. It's quite large, um, quite large print as well. So it's got some pictures in there too. If you would like a copy of it, it's colour colour pictures inside. Uh, mm. Give us a call now. One eight hundred Faith FM. It's one 843 You can get this free of charge posted to you.
0: Don't even have to answer a quiz clue mm. question. You're going to be the first caller, by the way. You can text us on 0491 064 669 or shoot us a message on any of our social medias Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook Instagram Twitter and the first message we receive on any of those formats is going to get the book
1: well thank you so much for joining us this morning of course we'll be back tomorrow morning after the seven o'clock news we hope you have a wonderful and blessed grateful day
4: On a distant shore The light on a mountain It's the light that'll guide you home It shines in the darkness It speaks through the Word The light of forgiveness The light of the Lost on a raging sea Lost on the mountain Until the light shone on me Led me out of the darkness
2: Back to the shore
4: To the top of the mountain To be lost on It's the light of a play. It's the light of forgiveness Yeah, the light is the son of man